0: Main female woman from Swarm was uh, the girl from Transformers, and uh, wow, what a forgettable movie! I told you I saw that. <laughs> the
1: Rise of the Beasts, array. Rise
0: of the Beasts. I gotta say, it was fine. It was whatever.
1: It was so forgettable. <laughs> so, before we get into the main event, which is a decent little show by Apple TV Plus, we're gonna talk about. A bunch of little things. First and foremost, you saw 65.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. How was that? Oh,
1: okay. Was it good? Oh, man. No. <laughs>
0: okay. okay. You, you cut me off whenever you want me to stop, but let me just say Scott Beck and Brian Woods, who seem to be the Nepo child friend and boys, John Krasinski bottom-up to do drafts of Quiet Place. These guys are not good storytellers, and... They're not good directors. I'm sure they're nice people in real life. 65 is Jurassic Park in space, but it's not. It's 65 million years ago on Earth. This movie had so many opportunities to be an interesting story. I mean, the premise itself. And it was just blundered at every juncture. Adam Driver, wasted. (laughs) Visual effects, garbage. Nothing good about it. (laughs) i saw it with friends we had some drinks it was terrible (laughs) okay
1: okay if you Uh, want to see it that's
0: fine if you like it that's fine
1: yeah okay
0: (laughs) that's all i have to say about 65 oh my god
2: it was so bad
0: (laughs) i'll stop you also saw
1: a show called swarm i saw a lot of stuff steven but specifically, we're talking about Swarm. Yeah, Swarm, the latest
0: project from Donald Glover, I guess he was working on uh, as Atlanta was wrapping up. He worked on it with some of the writers that he had been collaborating with for Atlanta. And overall, it was a pretty interesting project. Uh, it follows, loosely, <laughs> my retelling of the of the synopsis is how I describe by loosely, a psycho stan. The film... The, sorry,
1: the show. The show is about stan culture. Do you know what stan means, Steven? Yeah, it's based on the Eminem song of like somebody who's fanboying or fangirling toward like an icon.
0: Yeah, I think that's the origination of the term. The origin, origination is hella not a word. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the that's the pop, that's the pop cul- the pop culture origin of the term. But cult stan culture in modern day, especially when it's coming from uh, other countries, like for K-pop, for instance is this fanatical obsession with the celebrity or with the band, yada, yada, whatever have you. Right. Uh, so in this film, this is an analog for Beyonce. And I think this was loosely based off of something that actually happened where a fan became so obsessed that things you know, got out of hand. But our main character, this girl, is obsessed with the Beyonce analog. And full spoilers, if you haven't watched it by now, you're probably not going to check it out. <laughs> She ends up killing people um, in a roundabout way. Uh, And eventually it becomes, she's a serial killer. She kills people who are- (laughs) Talking shit. Talking shit about the Beyonce analog. I actually can't even remember, Uh, but they called themselves the Bees or something. Oh, yeah. That's like their cult name online. It's also a commentary on social media and stuff like that because that plays a huge part in the plot. And, uh, over the course of the seven or whatever episode series, she becomes more and more unhinged to the point where, um, she's basically roaming around the country trying to connect with this celebrity. And at one point she, uh, like grazes her, uh, and I say that mostly figuratively, but also literally, cause she like takes a bite out of her or something. This, this show is crazy. Uh, and it's also, uh, it shows you some some of that stuff. It's pretty graphic, but yeah, some of the standout stuff. There was an episode around four or five where it has Billie Eilish as this kind of like uh, commune leader, uh, which is a pretty interesting performance from her. Maybe my favorite episode of the show. Interesting. Uh, and if you see nothing except this one episode of the show, I think you'll be okay. This main character goes into the commune and it's this like kind of like sisterhood thing uh, for these females who were... I think they're there in name for uh, like a Burning Man or some other music festival thing that's happening. But it's, it's, a, <laughs> I honestly don't know how to sell this show. It's crazy. You don't have to sell it. I'm just curious. Like, what I you don't find. even know how to talk about it. It, because the main character, there's absolutely no redeeming qualities. And there's, there are some shows that do this and it's always fascinating to me. She is totally a psycho and she's totally irredeemable in every way which is what makes this show so interesting because it's all commentary about mm. uh, obsessive like, uh, social media and sure. staying culture. So sure. really cool, but also it's a really hard watch. And uh, I'm glad I saw it, but I don't know yeah who to recommend it to or how to talk about it. <laughs> sure. Other than to say Donald Glover, uh, I think is incredible. And him and his collaboration with these writers, I know he worked with uh, especially a lot of female writers to bring... To bear this kind of a show, so very cool, and I'm very excited to see what these people do next. Yeah, so
1: that's all I have to say about Swarm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mention another show that came out around this time, uh, Poker Face. Poker Face. Natasha Leon? Yeah, I only know, I've never seen her. Main either. character is Natasha Leone. She and and this this show is written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Was it really? Yep. Wow. Uh, written by and maybe produced me. I think you did direct a couple episodes. I, I just say that so naturally. Right. But yeah, because of that though. And, and Ryan's connections, there's a lot of like star power that shows up from episode to episode. And it's essentially this girl who can, uh, she's, she's gifted at, at being able to, she's like a human lie detector. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and she gets into some trouble and has to go on the run and she, you know, that's kind of the journey goes on a lot of twists and turns ryan johnson really good and it was like one of the best things i think on was it peacock or something something super yeah obscure (laughs) uh and then i saw like because going back to the apple tv plus i saw the tetris movie that came out oh you did yep and that movie was again i played tetris for so long growing up i i I still love tetris because i love like solving puzzles i was really good at it really interesting uh, movie, you know, there's, there's the kind of that folklore behind Tetris that like people dream about it. Like if they dream about it, like it really sticks with you. You see the falling pieces in your mind and you're you're mm-hmm. really, like playing it like while you're asleep and stuff. It's a really interesting game for that reason. But was all that stuff true? I mean, I had no
0: idea it had such a Soviet espionage angle. Yeah.
1: So what I was going to say is it was so much uh, less of a Tetris film and more <laughs> of a cold war Russian espionage yeah cold war film Hmm. and he travels over there like two or three times basically risking his own life like like literally being followed by the KGB and like almost dying it's freaking wild and I think it is true like I think a lot of it is based on a a true story I think that was kind of the whole point was to tell this crazy story about how uh Nintendo got the rights to Tetris (laughs) It's really bonkers. Was it Nintendo? Yeah. Wow. It's super bonkers. Super, super bonkers. But all the way down to the music and, and um, Tetris had this original, like, uh, there was like a background to the, the screen you were playing in, like on the sides uh, of some Russian uh, architecture. Really? <laughs> and, I, and once I saw that, I was like, oh, it all makes sense. But honestly, it was a good movie, but it was just... You know it was about Tetris it was about but it was it was a lot less of that and just more of like a spy thriller which was uh, yeah. not what I was expecting out of my Tetris movie is it uh,
0: what's his name Terran Egerton Egerton that played the dude yep
1: and he's great and he also did you know that show blackbird that I didn't yeah. want to cover Um, uh, but he must have some sort of deal with Apple or Apple TV plus anyway what we're talking about today as we kind of get past all the stuff we are not gonna cover as uh, a show called Shrinking, also on Apple TV+. This is a really interesting show. And I thought it'd be worth to kind of touch on briefly before we move forward in the podcast. This is Jason Segel uh and a cast of a bunch of really interesting actors uh, one of them being Harrison Ford who plays an older psychologist such a weird Harrison Ford's like been popping up all over the place and i'm like what what is he doing he's like i feel like he's trying to do like a bunch of Hail Marys maybe he like he has like the Bruce Willis thing and he's trying to do a bunch of stuff before he goes out you know
0: yeah but it's not all B material like Bruce no it's not i feel like no. it's probably for a different reason then too <laughs> He's probably just having fun, you know. He's in the twilight of his, not just his career, but his life. Hopefully. Whereas Bruce was actually diagnosed with dementia, which I don't think we've mentioned on the cast.
1: Nope. Pretty gnarly. Uh, but Jason Siegel plays a dad, husband who lost his wife, and he is—he's also a psychologist that is a colleague of Harrison Ford's, and he's just broken, like a broken, broken person. And it kind of picks up a year after a a car accident with his wife. And he's trying to piece together his relationship with his daughter that still exists and looks exactly like his wife that he was in love with. And he's like kind of been ignoring his daughter because of that reason. And uh, it's very very deep, but there's kind of a a thing about it that I'm going to talk about in a second because we're going to jump into a song a song we're gonna play a Death Cab for Cutie song there's a reason why because Benjamin Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie lead singer uh, wrote a song for this show what we're Original? gonna play we're gonna play it at the end but right now I'm gonna play a different Death Cab song from their newest album Asphalt Meadows I'm gonna play a song called Wheat Like Waves Wheat Like Waves to say it a couple times because it's an interesting song title. But I really like the song, it reminds me of old, early Death Cab. It's like my, my favorite song on this album. So here it is.
2: Read like waves, the Canadian plains were an ocean. The sky of prefab sprout Echoing out of your 90s accord With a mismatched door The windows in one of so cold
0: like a resurgence album like uh, they went away and they came back or have they just been working for the last 20 years oh no,
1: no.
0: oh they've been around yeah oh, okay i thought ben Gibbard just did other stuff for a bit
1: about every three years oh okay yeah they've never stopped
0: should call it life cab for cutie
1: <laughs> got him <them. laughs> hey, welcome back we're here Welcome back. we're talking about shrinking let's name some of the other cast really quick krista miller plays Liz. She's also the neighbor of Jason Siegel and she kind of is taking care of his daughter while he's going through all this stuff. The third uh, psychiatrist psychologist? Therapist is played by Jessica Williams. She plays Gabby. Uh, she's like the other colleague between Harrison Ford and Jason Siegel. They kind of all work at the same spot. There's this guy named Luke. Uh, well, his name is Sean. He's played by Luke Tenney. A really good actor. I really liked his role in this show. Although I did find it a little obscure and there's a reason why I'll, I'll touch on it in just a second. Lily Rabe played Meg. She's uh, really famous from American Horror Story, done a bunch of other stuff. But so this show is super strange cause okay, this is written by uh, Brett Goldstein who wrote and stars in Ted Lasso. This is kind of like another Ted Lasso show where it's very heartfelt it it kind of hits at like the the core of like humanity, and then it pulls out and does like a lot of humorous stuff, and then it swings back into really deep, highly emotional, pulling at the heartstring kind of stuff, and then swings back to the comedy again. And the reason this show is good is because of that, and because of the success of Ted Lasso, and I think it's kind of standing on the shoulders of it. But one of the reasons I thought it was so obscure and strange was because it felt like. And it, it feels like it was written exactly like a sitcom. Like, I'm talking like a classic sitcom in front of a live audience. And the characters, the way that they talk, the way that they interact, the way that, they, like, the characters you might think are, like, B or C-list characters stick around and then get, like, storylines with other A-list characters later in the season. It It's very, very strange. Like, it it felt... The whole show felt so weird to me, but I, I couldn't stop watching it because, you know, it, it's still good to an extent for what it is for that kind of show. It's like a feel good show, like a Ted Lasso or a, um, this is us or something like it's a feel good show. Apple usually produces quality stuff. So yeah, this was interesting for that reason. Like I I almost couldn't get entirely on board with what they were doing and I'm still unsure whether I actually liked it, Hmm. but I think I liked it. I don't know, but I assume the performances kind of carry it through, right? By like the performances in in the story, yeah, because something you know insane happens to hook you to come back, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, very. Oh, also the the episodes are only like thirty minutes long, so it's very digestible. Like it's it's an easy pill to swallow. You're not sticking around for like an hour and trudging through it. Like it's 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 an easy watch. Mm -hmm. So it felt like a sitcom. And it, like, the character is really like the, the one character. It's like he's helping a patient who ends up like living with him. And then that patient gets involved with his next door neighbor. And then they end up like starting like a a catering business together. What? Like, it, yeah, it just felt like so. This is such a sitcom. Really? It was almost like bad writing. But at the same time, it has like the heart of Ted Lasso, which can be good when it comes to writing so it was it was just really strange man like i i don't really know how but it to... didn't have
0: like you know the hallmarks of the sitcom like the laughing
1: track and no exactly interesting Yeah, know it, it it would have the sitcom energy right the the fast-paced banter dialogue like that like friends would have or something and then it would cut to like a scene where jason siegel's having a flashback of a traumatic experience with his wife wow and you're like, this is so strange. Like it's so weird. Huh. It's so strange. But anyway, that's I just thought it was like worth talking about because it was interesting for that reason, because tonally it shifted a lot. And I don't know if it necessarily was for the better. Do you think the show would have had the same
0: success in terms of word of mouth? Because people are talking about it mm-hmm. without Harrison Ford and, you know, Jason Seagal, etc. Harrison Ford was honestly Probably the best part of the show. Harrison it, Ford's so awesome. It's a pretty inspired pick because usually you got, yeah. you know, this guy who's like yeah. the quintess he's the quintessential, like kind of stoic male yeah, lead, but you totally. have him playing this comedic turn mm-hmm. a little off kilter. But it's he's see it sounds like he's really his <laughs> special. Like yep. he has he has this uh gift for kind of deadpan, right? Yeah. yeah. You see
1: glimpses of that in his previous stuff. Yeah, you get to see him do a little bit of comedy there's one episode where he's like high on marijuana or like an edible (laughs) and it was really funny to see that because you don't see that from harrison ford yeah (laughs) he's such like a man's man i feel yeah you know that's that's the reason george lucas cast him as han solo because he's like this guy's a man's man like this is the kind of person that i need in that role for han solo so and then that carried over in indiana jones and everything he's ever done played her yeah, Blade Runner, Rick Deckard. Anyway, you, you don't you don't normally see that. It's always shades of the same guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Until now, exactly.
0: That's really cool, though. they'd. Uh, I mean, Apple's really trying to make a big. I think by diversifying this kind of the the strangeness. I mean, we saw that with stuff like Severance, but yeah, I think it's cool they're doing content like that.
1: Yeah, and uh, like I personally know what's going on a lot of the time. Like, I know Apple cares a lot about the content that they produce, and they want it to be as quality as possible. They want their shows to be, like, as quality as the products that they make, like their phones and stuff. So they care. Like, it's not like they don't care. It's it's such a strange uh, difference, though, between, like, what shrinking became versus, like, something that just came out, like extrapolations. Have you heard about that?
0: I saw the teaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, essentially, like, projections over the next... 70 to 80 years of what will happen with climate change. And it like has like eight episodes or something where every decade or so, like something that actually might happen if we don't change soon.
0: Is it anthology?
1: It's, yeah. Kind so of. It's like a light no, no, black. It, 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 there's yeah. a through line, but oh. yeah. Interesting. But, uh, but it also has like, it's following different characters and different things are happening. So, right. But so, but like you have something that's like super dramatic and, like, fear-based, like, extrapolations. And then you have something like this, and it's, like, it's pretty wild. Covered the whole market there. The gamut is the covered. The gamut.
0: Yeah, they're making big moves. You know better than anyone. I know something about it. Well, I th- is it renewed? Are they going to have a second series? Yeah, I think so. Yeah?
1: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine that they... I think I did hear that they're going to do a second season. Cool. I'd like to check it out. I'm a, I've am been... Uh binging harrison ford recently you and i both yeah he's great truly great and i'm i'm excited to see what he does with these new marvel roles he's he's replacing uh william hurt is he being he, he's ross ross dude. yeah is he really yeah general ross wow so, so people are thinking he's going to be the red hulk and he's he's going to be yeah <laughs> well because general ross turns into the red hulk yeah but my man's 80 something years old i know but but <laughs> that's 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 i know but that's what happens but people, so he's going to be in the next Captain America film, uh, and then he's also going to be in the Thunderbolts. So we should see Harrison Ford. So he, a lot he is Hurt's character. Yeah, he okay. replaced them. Got it. Like, like straight up. Right. Okay. They're also bringing back Liv Tyler. No way. And and Tim Roth. Not Tim Roth, but well, yes, Tim Roth, but also Tim uh, from Watchmen, the who the plays the, the leader, Tim Blake Nelson. Oh. Yeah, he's coming back, too. So, like, it's basically, like, the next Captain America film will, will be, like, a sequel to The Incredible Hulk.
0: Captain America, what's it called? World Order? It's,
1: they just changed the title. Oh. It was New World Order, and it got changed. And at this to point. Brave New World.
0: Uh, it's called Brave New World. Anthony Mackie is Cap. The guy. He's Cap. Got it. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun.
1: Yeah. Anyway little Marvel talk at the end of your shrinking episode.
0: Harrison will be older there than Robert Redford was in Cap 2, right? Robert was old. Yeah. I mean, you could feel it. Harrison's still swinging, man. Yeah, but he better not swing, if you know what I mean. I mean, <laughs> if the Irishman has taught us anything, let your old guys just act. Oh, my god! Don't swing. Oh, my gosh. Which is one of the things I'm hoping. I mean, we've heard the, some the things about Indy jump. 5 will be like, yeah. <laughs> just do not swing. <laughs> <laughs> Fill in the blanks. I feel like it's not hard yeah. to use yeah. Harrison. Yeah. Just don't swing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just act. Okay, so right here we're going to play that Death Cab for Kitty song, or really it's just Benjamin Gibbard I think he wrote with uh, Tom Ho? Tom Howe? It's called Frightening Fishes, and it's the main title you hear when Shrinking plays. It's always cool to hear Ben Gibbard's voice, uh, especially in something like this. So here it is. Cool.
2: us till dawn, fearing the future, mourning the past, the hours moving slowly and vanishing fast, but I'm trying in my way.